Welcome to New York Currents. I'm Dave Glenn, and we're privileged to have a very special guest with us, Rabbi Ben Sion Shafia, who is the uh, founder of the Schmooze. Uh, and th- thank you for being with us. My pleasure. And uh, we're mainly interested in talking to the rabbi about his new book, 10 Really Dumb Mistakes That Very Smart Couples Make. It, uh, could, could you say it's a, a marriage guide? or I mean, you say a Torah-based guide to a successful marriage. Right, 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 exactly. So um, what, I, what I wanted to uh, ask, first of all, is does this apply to... Uh, you know, to any married couple, uh, you, you know, not just newlyweds, or even if they've been married for 50 years, I mean, does it apply, you know, to all ages? Right. So, David, that's certainly a very good question. So I'll sort of, I'll give you my background, and then I think uh, backwards I'll answer that question. Okay, fine. Yeah. So really, I, I've been dealing, the Shrews has been out there now for 15, maybe 20 years, and I deal with a very wide uh, variety of people, young, old, everyone in between. The past 15 years or so, I've been getting a lot more marriage issues. People come to me with all types of issues in life. But again, the past 15 years, many of the questions have been dealing with uh, with marriage issues. And on a regular basis, I'll get a couple in front of me, and I'm just aghast by the things that they apparently don't realize, what he says, what she says, and they just don't get each other. They don't get the relationship. So really, what this book, um, what I set out to do with the book, was to give a guide to a successful marriage. Now, I really would much, much prefer it to be read by people before they got married. Yeah, I was a high school rabbi, and I used to tell the guys, do not start studying marriage on the way down to the chuppah. You're way too late in the game. (laughs) The time to learn it is way, way before, because again, it's, it's, it's not just an educational sort of academic pursuit. It requires a lot of growth, a lot of maturity, a lot of understanding concepts. So in that sense, the book itself really was written for a wide swath of ages and really, you know, across the gamut. But again, I much prefer it to be read early on before people make the 10 really dumb mistakes. Okay, uh, maybe a little, a little later in the, in the podcast, I'll ask you to outline the 10 mistakes, unless, you, unless that's a spoiler for your book, I don't know. Right, right. But... <laughs> well, but so what, what, what would you say is the biggest pitfall and, and how, how, how would you avoid it? I, I, that's a difficult question because there are a lot of them. No, I guess, but no, no, actually, no actually, David, I, I appreciate that question. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. I find the single biggest mistake that couples make, and it's the easiest cure, is they stop working on the relationship. Mm-hmm. They get married, and in the first couple of years, everything is fine and good. Then a kid comes along, another kid, another kid, and before you know it, life takes over and they're busy. Now they're good people. They're aligned in life goals. They're aligned in what they want to bring their, how they want to bring up the family. Everything is perfect, but they get so busy with life that they cease stopping to spend enough time connecting. They stop going out. They stop really acting as a couple. And if they stop working on the relationship, if you stop working on the bond of connection, guess what? You're going to drift apart. I have to be honest with you, the single greatest cure to so many marriage problems is simply to reinstitute date night, reinstitute the love notes, the gifts, all of the things that a couple in love should be doing. Meaning a couple with a married six months, six years, 60 years should be having an ongoing love affair. That's what marriage is about. 
The problem is that if you don't work on the relationship, if you don't spend time connecting, bonding, in a very short time, couples drift apart. And to me, that's the simplest issue to cure because all you have to do is reinstitute all of those things that you used to do when you were younger, certainly if you were, when you were going out on your chasen and kala, when you reinstitute them, suddenly life changes. But there's one proviso I have to put in here because usually men don't understand it. And I'll make it very clear. A lot we yeah. don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there's a lot that women don't understand either. But <laughs> what men don't understand is it's a man's job to romance his wife. It's a husband's obligation to, to let his wife know in word, deed, and action that she is cherished. If she knows that she's loved, that she's cherished, life will be wonderful. If a woman doesn't know that, she doesn't have constant reminders to that, she's going to be very unhappy. At the core of her essence, she needs to know that she's loved and cherished. Hence, it's the husband's job to romance his wife. If he does that, 80% of the problems disappear. Now, I'm not, I don't want you to misunderstand. There's a lot we're going to, you know, that women do wrong here also. But this part is so easily cured. If a man just understands his job is to show his wife in action, word, and deed that she's cherished, that she's number one, many, many, if not 80% of the problems just disappear. So you should get a babysitter and go out to dinner, uh, go out and have some fun. Uh, yeah. yeah. How long? I don't like the dinner part so much because to be honest with you, restaurants are expensive and they're and they're they're not as usually as conducive to a date. But yeah, but whatever you have to do. The point is it is a lot cheaper to get a babysitter and figure out what to do together as a couple than the alternative. You know, people always give me the pushback. Rabbi, I'm so busy, who could afford it? I have a very simple answer to that. It is very expensive to go out. It's a lot more expensive if you figure out the alimony, the divorce court lawyer. <laughs> so you know, it's a lot cheaper and a lot more fun to do it this way. So, how reckon, often? How often do you think that should be done? You know, how how many right. date nights should you have? So, uh, once a week is a good. Uh, really? good once a week, yeah. Uh, huh. One second, let me make sure that's clear because most people misunderstand that. Not once a year. No, no. Not once <laughs> a quarter. Not once a month. Once a week. Once every week, every, every yeah, every week, every week, every mm. every yeah, every week. That every may be week. that may sound surprising to some people, but um, it does, and and it doesn't sound surprising to me that how many marriages are lousy. You know, I, again, I deal with this every day. I get emails, phone calls, my my husband, my wife, my husband, my wife, and again, so many times, it's not an issue in the marriage as much as the relationship itself starts getting stale. They start drifting. And then she starts complaining, he starts complaining, and before you know it, they're in different worlds and they're in serious trouble. And again, so many times the cure really is just putting together the relationship, putting them back together on the same page. You you, may, you do make a reference to the only solution. Is, is that what you're referring to? Uh, certainly in terms of relationship, yeah. Meaning <clears throat> the only solution is to work on the relationship, meaning... If a couple are not really working on that connection, if they're not working on the relationship, then it's going to become very, very difficult for them to feel connected, for them to be in love, and it requires time. There's nothing short of time, attention, and devotion that's going to, to create that. So, um, you know, and, and again, you see, men don't understand this piece because typically a guy can be happily married. By the way, on a regular basis, I'll get this. Husband and wife come into my office. I'll say to the guy, How's your marriage? Good. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. I'll say to the wife, how's your marriage? It's horrible. It's terrible. Wait, you guys married like to each other? So the answer, <laughs> really? 
Yeah, no, but really, so the answer is that a man, <clears throat> many men I've found this are happily married. So if a guy, he goes to work, he works for his family and he loves his wife and he's good and he'll do things. He'll, he'll take a bullet for his wife and he legitimately loves his wife and that's okay for him. And <clears throat> that if a woman is not getting constant reassurance of that love, if she's not getting that attention, especially if she's not getting that communication <clears throat> where he's talking to her, sharing with her and really letting her know that she's cherished, she will be very unhappy. I guess that, that goes in line with what, if I'm quoting it uh, accurately, uh, you, you mentioned it's never the issue, it's always the pain. Uh, yes. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure, okay. So really, that's referring a little bit into in terms of like what, what couples fight about. So people normally make a mistake. They think that couples fight about the issues, whether it be the the children or the religion finances or the finances couples never fight about the issues they fight about the underlying feelings it's not the coming late it's the feeling that you don't care about me it's not the where we're going for Pesach as much as why do my wishes why do my interests not matter here it means I don't matter it's always the underlying feelings you see as long as you misunderstand and you think it's the issues you'll never solve any marriage problems why because you're going to solve the issue, but the issue isn't the problem. It's the underlying feeling of being hurt, being rejected. You have to remember that a couple is supposed to be a couple in love. And here's my best friend and my lover who just clearly doesn't care about me, who totally disregards my opinion and disregards what matters to me. And it's hurtful. So naturally, the underlying issue is the feelings. It's never the topical issue the coming late, the being on time, the religion, the in-laws, whatever it may be. Yeah, because if you solve one issue, there could be another one. There could be another dozen issues, because it's always the hurt feelings. And until you deal with the hurt feelings, you're, not, you're never going to solve anything. I know you, you, uh, you cite Mike, Mark Twain, uh, who said, I could, uh, I could live two months on one good compliment. And then you write that uh, couples could go for years. Uh, yeah. without uh, complimenting each other. How important is this? Okay, so to be honest with you, there are many tools that bond. Hashem wants a couple to be in love, and Hashem gave us many tools to create that bond. <clears throat> One tool is attraction. Another tool is appreciation. Another tool is physical intimacy, touch. There are many, many tools that bond. One of the very important tools that bond is, as I mentioned, the tool of appreciation. Appreciation is something that we human beings seem to have a great problem with. Starting with Adam Arishon, the lack of a karasato was, was very real. Now, I don't know how to make this any more clear than to say, and this one I'll point to the gentleman on this one. <clears throat> gentlemen, if you are happily married and your kids actually are functioning well, there is a huge long list of things that you should be incredibly appreciative to your wife for. The fact that she, care, she takes care of the house and the cleaning and the cooking and everything about your life is so masudur, so organized, so structured because of your wife. And naturally, what we human beings do is we take it for granted. That's our job. That's our job. So we'd have to, and by the way, women take it for granted also. I can't tell you how many times I've spoken to a woman who lives in a beautiful home, nice cars, kids, tuition paid, everything fine and well. He doesn't do anything for me. He doesn't do a thing for me. Madam, whose house do you sleep in? What do you, who takes care of your needs? Who takes? The point is that a husband and wife both need to focus on appreciating what their spouse does for them. And it's an exercise. An exercise that has to be done. You have to write down the things that your spouse does for you. 
And the Stiplagon, by the way, gives a very interesting example. He says, if, you, if you're ever curious, just imagine what life would be if I weren't married. Let's say you're a 45-year-old guy. What would life be like if you weren't married? Now, and just to show you how powerful this is, I had a group of, I, I once did a marriage transformation boot camp. These were couples who were married 10 years or more and were having a lot of trouble in their marriage. So I gathered together a group of about 50 of them. We did Zoom six sessions. And my goal was to help them really, you know, work on the issues in their marriage. And at a certain point, the amount of complaints and the amount of fetching, it was just over the top. And I did something that I think was radical, but I, I, I wanted to bring home something, a point to them. I contacted a singles group, an older singles group that I had been involved with, and I asked them to record for me what it's like to be an older single in the Jewish community. And you hear the pain, being a fifth wheel, not knowing where to place yourself. Every yumptive is a is horrible, and Shabbos is terrible. Just not knowing where your life is and who you are. And I played that for this group just to let them appreciate. I know your husband's terrible, but he's there. I know your wife flies in a broom at night, but she takes care of things. Like just appreciating the reality, how much I benefit from my spouse. And if you do that, naturally what happens is, when I appreciate it, I feel tremendously, wow, how much I owe. Once I feel that, number one, I feel differently to my spouse. Then number two, I'm going to say, I appreciate what you do for me. I can't believe how much you do for me. And those words are the most golden, most powerful words. We human beings thrive on compliments. We hate criticism. We love compliments. And oddly enough, in marriage, so many times we do the opposite. We're very busy criticizing, but the most important thing, the compliments seem to be forgotten. So you're right, it takes work, but that's one of the parts I, in the book I deal with appreciation, because again, that's one of the very important tools that bond. You feel that the, uh, you know, the modern world, like the secular world, that this is, has made a big difference uh, because actually, I mean, is it true that like centuries ago, we didn't seem to have all these kind of problems. I mean, you, you know, you had a shock in they, they get, you know, they would learn to love each other, whatever. And there, you didn't have all that many, there wasn't really talk of divorce or things like that, but you have that all now. Is, is that because of, of the influence of, of the outside world? Okay. It's a very good question. I would, you know, in the beginning of the book, I explained that I believe there are three reasons why divorce is so much more common now. One of which is, as you mentioned, the fact that it's an option, meaning, once the door is open, what happens is it becomes very easy to take that option instead of doing the difficult work that's needed. You know, the first problem we deal with is everything in our generation is disposable. Disposable cups, disposable napkins, disposable marriages. So the first bump along the road, and boom, I'm out of there. And number two, we're dealing in a generation that's very, very pampered. From the time our kids are little, every need is met, everything they possibly could want is given to them. And the idea of having to sacrifice, the idea of having to do something because someone else needs it is not so simple. So number one, we're living in a disposable age. And number two, we're dealing in an age of extremely pampered people. But the third problem is we're dealing in a very unwholesome generation. I don't believe in the course of history, there have been these many unhappy, emotionally unsound people. And if you just go through a string of, of diseases and mental illnesses. You're Jewish it, or not, it's not exclusive to, to, right, to Jewish. Right, yeah. it's not, right. It's, it's just, it's out there. So, you know, I have, a, I have a line. I like to say that the marriage is an institution, but it's not a hospital. If you have emotional problems, 
getting married is not going to solve that problem. All this, the only problem marriage solves is being single. But if you have various, whatever your issues may be, if you don't work them out before you're married, what happens invariably is the relationship becomes much more complicated. The problems that you have become exacerbated because now they're reflected back in the way your spouse perceives it and it becomes much more complex. So the bottom line is, I believe because of these three reasons, marriage has now become a disposable item. Um, and therefore, you know, it's an open door. So, you know, the first uh, little fight, the first little bump along the road, you know, and, and, and they're out. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure that there are many bad marriages in previous generations as well. And I'm not advocating it, but most They didn't talk about it as much, I guess. Well, not that they talk about it. You see, every marriage has an adjustment. Every marriage takes a while. And you have to learn your spouse. You have to learn what sacrificing means, what giving in means, <clears throat> being devoted to another human being means. Every marriage, the best marriages, requires an adjustment period. The problem is that if there's no adjustment period, the first fight, you're out the door. You don't even learn the basic skills. In the old world, you were married. You stayed married. Now, many marriages, you're probably right, didn't succeed. <clears throat> but the vast majority, I believe, did succeed because you learn how to get by. You learn to adopt. And you learn the difficult lessons of life that I can't have everything my way. I have to give in. I have to concede. I have to be sensitive. And again, not that every marriage succeeded, but at least it was the opportunity to learn. Now it's one bump. It's out the door. So before you know it, marriage is over. Have, have you found that uh, financial conditions make a difference? In other words, if, if a couple is really struggling financially and is worried about paying the rent and all that, does that make it uh more or less likely to stay together than, than a couple who's more comfortable. So listen, any stressor in life can become a difficulty um, and any stressor in life will be. The question ultimately is the strength of the relationship. Now, first of all, every marriage has stressors and it could be anything from having children, not having children, enough children, not enough children, enough money, not enough money. There, there are many, many stressors in life and every marriage has some. Now, there's no question that the less stress, the more likely it is that a couple will have an easier time getting on in life. But at the end of the day, it's not the stressors, it's how the couple deals with the stress, how the couple deals with the issues, the strength of the relationship. So I'm not telling you that earning a living is not important, it certainly is. And a good living, comfortable living makes life easier. Um, and also, again, if you're not making ends meet, it becomes more of a stressor in life. But I'm telling you, there are many, many very successful marriages that have extreme stresses. There are, there are couples who can't have children for years. There are couples who deal with emotional or health issues. There are couples who deal with all types of issues. The question is the relationship. So again, is it better, all things being equal, is it better not to have any stresses? Absolutely. Is money a big stressor? 100%. But at the end of the day, it's but one of many. And the only question is how the couple deals with it. Are they able to work on the relationship? Are they able to continue bonding, connecting? And that ultimately is the success or the failure of the marriage. Have you encountered uh, marriages that is, as much as you try really are not going to work? I mean, let's say the, the husband is abusive, maybe even physically abusive. Or I mean, is there a red line that, you know, you, this is just not going to work? 100%. There's no question that there are certain either personalities or conditions that will cause a marriage not to succeed. But here's a very important but. I firmly believe that 80% of the divorces in our community should not be. 
should not 80 percent should not be written i can't tell you how many times I've, I've met with a couple and afterwards i'll say to my wife they're a match made in heaven living in gehenna meaning they're perfectly matched they're perfectly set for each other but they're destroying each other and now unless they change they end up in a very very difficult place and often divorced but it's not because they were mismatched and not because he was a drug addict and she was a shopaholic and not because anyone had deep emotional problems. It's because they stopped working on the marriage, stopped working on what they needed. And I, again, I believe that 80% of the divorces in our community should not be. I know there was a lot, I mean, in, in, in my generation, I guess there was a lot of, well, we stayed together for the sake of the children. Mm-hmm. So is, is that a good thing or a bad thing or, or what? I don't know. I like to have a good marriage for the sake of the children. <laughs> Meaning, staying together for the sake of the children is, it really depends. In other words, you know, if, if the marriage is decent, it's probably better for the children. If the marriage is even kind of odd, bad, if there's outright fighting, quibbling, really quarreling, it might be better for the children to separate. But that's not the solution. The solution is to change the dynamic. And make the marriage succeed. And I cannot tell how many times I've had couples who I'll clearly lay out for them, this is what you need to do. Look, we don't want to, not worth it. We don't, I don't want it's to, not worth it. Not worth it. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, many times it's women. I don't love my really? husband. So I'll tell you, okay, here's the steps. We're going to build the bond of love. We're going to build the connection. These are the steps you have to do. I don't, I'm not, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I'm, I'm checked out. I'm, che- I'm dealing with a woman now who's checked out of the marriage. And I explained to her clearly, if you'll work on the marriage, you'll have a bond of love. You'll have a connection. You're, you're going to f- go out of this marriage and find somebody else. You're going to have worse problems, worse issues. And by the way, I want to remind one thing also. There is no such thing as a divorce once there are kids. Once there are kids in a picture, you can legally separate, but you're still both parents to this children. And uh, divorce doesn't really happen because you're still together in the lives of these children and and again, it's it's sure a whole lot better, a whole lot easier on everyone if you work on the stuff, work out the marriage, create a connection, create a bond. Now, again, I don't want to make it too simplistic. It isn't just connecting and it isn't only just creating a relationship. There are three pillars to a successful marriage. There's commitment, there's love, and there's learning to live together. Commitment comes from the fact that I know that Hashem designed this person perfectly for me. She and I are matched perfectly. Hashem determines the right one for me. Love in the marriage is the relationship. That's the going out, the spending time together, the love notes, the gifts, everything that a couple in love should be doing. But the problem is many couples are very committed and they do love each other, but they can't live together. They can't and live together is a very, very difficult and very, very demanding aspect of a marriage. But you see, I want to make this clear because a lot of people don't understand this. Learning to live together is difficult for any two human beings. I can't tell you how many times a couple say, we're so different. We're so different. How could I'd like to share with you? It is absolutely true. Any two human beings are different. My face is different than your face. Tazal Tala says, my face is different than your face. My mind is different than your mind. I perceive things differently. I look at things differently. I value things differently. We all have very different personalities. But really, here's the point. If you take the, the 16 categories of differences in personality and find me the most differences you could ever imagine, introverted, extroverted, risk-averse, risk-takers, I guarantee all of them, if you compare the differences between husband and wife, man and woman, a man and woman is far different. Meaning, 
as different as two human beings can be in terms of their personality traits, the fact that they're different genders is a far greater difference. Men and women are totally, completely different in their values, in their temperament. We're almost from different planets, I think you mentioned. Yep, almost from different planets. Yet, marriages are meant to be successful. But you have to know how to work it. You have to know the system. And number one, it's building the relationship, building the love. And number two, it's learning this key is sowed. David, are you ready for this one? This is the big one, the second okay, biggest one. I'm sitting down. Take a deep breath. I'm glad you're sitting. Here it goes. It goes like this. Don't change your spouse. Let me say it again. Don't change your spouse. Let me say it one more time. Don't change your spouse. But I want to explain to you why don't change your spouse. <clears throat> don't change your spouse because it's nasty. Don't change your spouse because it's annoying. <clears throat> don't change your spouse because it wrecks the relationship. But it usually, than- can't, usually can't be done. Right. Don't change your spouse because it never works. Yeah. Exactly. It never works. But you know why? Because invariably, the thing I'm trying to change is innate to the person. It's a personality trait. It's a temperament. ADHD is hardwired at birth. Anxiety is a part of the person. Now, we all should work. We all should change. We all should improve. But at the end of the day, if I'm going to try to change a core temperament of my spouse, guess what? I'm going to fail. It's not going to work. All it's going to do is cause a lot of annoyance, a lot of disharmony. It's going to cause a lot of trouble in a marriage, and it doesn't change a thing. So if I had to put the two into that formula, I would give men a job and women a job. Gentlemen, it's your job to romance your wife. Ladies, it's your job not to change your husband. If men would keep their role to romance their wife, if women would keep their role not to change your husband, I believe most marriages would succeed dramatically. Most of the time, those are the core issues, those are the problems. So would you like to outline the uh, 10 dumb mistakes or you want people just to read the book and find out? I want to tell the only key dumb mistake that I do want to mention is, and this is the biggest, the the biggest biggest of the 10 really dumb mistakes is not buying the book. (laughs) Because you understand why? And when I was, I was I was originally going to publish this with ArtScroll, uh-huh. and I sent Diane Zlotowicz an email. The header of the email was, this is the book I wish I read before I got married. And I meant it. Now, he loved the book. He was going to do it. Whatever it was, ArtScroll, it wasn't the right publishing house. I didn't go with him. But the bottom line is that it took me, in Berkshire, we're married now 35 years. I love my wife. My wife loves me. But it took us a lot of years. It took us a lot of pain, a lot of going through things. I condensed I would say 35 years of marriage, but not just that, working with hundreds and hundreds of couples and seeing the mistakes and seeing what a marriage, and I put it there into very clear, simple terms. And if you read the book, life is easy, life is beautiful. On a regular basis, I'll say to Hassan, do me a favor, read the book. Six months from now, you're going to have one of those wake up moments. You're going to go, oh, now I get it. Now I understand what he was talking about. But if you read the book, you'll know what you're looking at. You'll understand why your wife does those things. You'll understand why your husband reacts that way. And you'll have the tools that you need. But if you don't read the book, you're going to be clueless. You're going to be, she's crazy. He's nuts. He's like, you're going to do the typical judgmental things we always do. So that's a really big mistake, not buying the book. So that, I just harp on that one. Okay. So what is the best? I don't want to make it into a commercial, but what is the best way for people to get the book? Sure. Okay. So really, you can get the book. It's available in all the storm stores. It's available on Amazon. But if you go to the schmooze.com, there's a big advantage. See, if you go to the schmooze.com, you get the hardcover with free shipping. 
But in addition to that, you get the excuse me, you get the audiobook, the ebook, as well as the marriage transformation boot camp as a free bonus. So if you go to the schmooze.com, it's spelled T-H-E-S-H-M-U-Z.com. On the top, you'll see a banner. And again, if you order the book there, not only do you get the hardcover with free shipping, but you get the audiobook, the ebook, and the marriage transformation boot camp as a free bonus. So again, you could go to Amazon, you could go to the Storm Store, but again, I highly recommend going to the schmooze.com, T-H-E-S-H-M-U-Z.com, because again, you get the, uh, the free bonuses. And of course, we, they can tune into New York Currents and see the interview and <laughs> get, an, get an idea that way. Right, 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 absolutely. So, so Rabbi, I really appreciate your time. Uh, this is, which was, you know, very enlightening, and I hope it could help a lot of people. And have, by the way, have you gotten feedback? Have you gotten, you know, couples telling you, well, I read the book and it really helped? Or have you gotten much the feedback has been overwhelming. You know, we really? sent out a thousand copies first to marriage counselors, to chassan and Khal teachers, and the feedback has been overwhelming. I cannot describe to you how many times, what, where was this book till now? Why didn't we have this book? I wish we had this book. And people are buying, you know, we have chassan and Khal teachers who buy dozens of copies at a really? time. You know, just to give out to their to their chassan, to their college, etc. So yeah, Chaz Hashem has been very, very well received and uh, very, very warm, uh, you know, reception. All right. Well, again, I, I, I thank you much, and I say to our, our listeners, if uh, you'd like to make any comments on this or other editions of New York Currents, it's n y c u r r e n t s at uh, gmail dot com. Uh, the phone number is uh, 917-755-6971. I'm uh, David Glenn. Thank you very much for listening.